Thanks for joining us today at Springwell Church, where we want to draw spiritually thirsty people to Jesus by loving God, loving each other, and loving the world. We hope that today's message builds you up, gives you a little insight, and helps you find a brand new perspective. You can find us in Taylor, South Carolina, and online at springwell.org. That's springwell.org. Now let's jump into the message. Thank you so much for spending part of your Christmas Eve with us. We realize that this is anything but a a slow time for you and your family. So for you to be here, uh, it really does mean a lot to us. How many of you tend to judge your food based on its appearance? Yep, most of us. And the ones of you that don't have your hand raised, let me just say that tomorrow when you go to the family Christmas get-together and there are two mac and cheeses and one looks creamy and cheesy and one looks crusty and dry, you know which one you're going to pick. Because you don't play games when it comes to macaroni and cheese, even if yours is the crusty and dry one. And you just, you, you messed up, but you had to bring something. You know you're totally going to pick the one that, that looks the best, right? Take, for example, these cookies right here. One of these cookies is broken, busted up. It looks like the person that decorated it may have fallen asleep at some point during the decoration of said cookie. This one was obviously done before this one, before they started getting sleepy, because this one looks like it was made like a Food Network show, Right? But this one, like his, his legs missing, his arms missing, he, he, he's busted up. Now, these cookies are made by the same person with the same oven. Now, I know that some of y'all are thinking, well, it's a, it's a cookie. I'll eat a cookie. I don't care what it looks like. But if you had to choose, you know that you would choose the put-together, good-looking cookie. How many of you have ever felt like the broken cookie? How many of you have ever felt like there was something about you that just seemed different from everybody else? Like, almost like people had a secret of how to be good looking, how to succeed in life, how to get ahead, and somehow you missed the secret and you've always felt like the broken cookie. Some of you even feel like you're not even on the plate, don't you? Like, for a lot of your life, or for a long period in your life, you almost felt invisible to everybody in the room around you. And you have struggled with, or have been struggling, or you still struggle with feeling invisible and like you just aren't enough. And even on a day like today, when everything is supposed to be joyful, supposed to be peaceful, peace on earth, silent night, holy night, fa-la-la-la-la-la-la-la-la, even on a day like today when everything is supposed to be going well for you and you're supposed to be in a good mood and you're supposed to have a good attitude, you still feel like something is missing and like you're not enough. You don't feel like you're good looking enough. You don't feel like you're tall enough. You don't feel like you're skinny enough. You don't feel like you're educated enough. You don't feel like you're successful enough. You don't feel like you're a good enough parent. You don't feel like you're a good enough child. You feel like the broken, busted up cookie. And to make matters even worse, there's some of us in this room today who have lived a life that seems to confirm that we're not enough. We have periods in our past that seem to confirm that we should be the overlooked person. 
you've done things, you've abandoned some people that you were supposed to be there for, you've missed the mark, you've, you've sinned, you've been in addiction, you still are in addiction, and some of you, it even feels like, yes, I'm the broken cookie, but that is exactly what I deserve. Or even worse, maybe somebody has repeated over your life, you are not enough. You are not enough. And so you feel like the rejected, left out, all alone, invisible, broken cookie. If that's you today, or if you've ever felt like that, I have a message I wanna share with you from the Christmas story. It's a part of the Christmas story that we wouldn't have chosen if we were choosing the characters and the people and the places in this story. It's the story of Jesus born in impossible circumstances or what feels like impossible circumstances, circumstances that we would never choose. Luke 1, 26 says this. says, six months after Elizabeth, Elizabeth is Mary's cousin and she's a very old, very wise, very mature, very experienced lady, very seasoned lady. Six months after Elizabeth, knew she was to become a mother. Gabriel, who's an angel, was sent from God to Nazareth. Nazareth was a town in the country of Galilee. So this angel Gabriel is sent to a place called Nazareth. Now I know that some of you, when you hear that, you've been to enough Christmas Eve services or you've read enough Christmas stories or you've watched enough Christmas movies where you're like, of course, Jesus was a Nazarene. Of course Mary was, was from Nazareth. Or maybe you don't know anything and you hear that and you think Nazareth doesn't mean anything to me. It seems so casual. It seems so common. But if you would have been alive during this time when this announcement is about to show up, there is a good chance you wouldn't have even known where Nazareth was. And if you did know where Nazareth was, you certainly wouldn't have believed that anything good could come out of there. As a matter of fact, there's a conversation in John 1:46 between Nathaniel and Philip, and the conversation centers around Jesus, and they're like, can anything good come from Nazareth? So if you knew where Nazareth was, you certainly wouldn't think anything good could come out of it. You certainly wouldn't think very, very highly of it. In fact, this is the first mention of Nazareth in the entire Bible. 39 books in the Old Testament. The Old Testament is the part of the Bible before Jesus. 39 books in the Old Testament and the entire Old Testament never speaks of this no, no, nothing town Nazareth. It's almost like even scripture itself forgets about this town until Gabriel goes to visit this lady that he's going to visit. And it's really for good reason, to be honest with you. Nazareth would have been 15 miles from the Sea of Galilee. It would have been six miles from any major road. And keep in mind, they're not getting in their Chevy and driving to this major road. They are walking. They are getting there under hard conditions. It would have been six miles from Nazareth to a major road. For the water supply, there was only one well in the center of Nazareth, and it was a weak, busted-down well. Nazareth would have been overlooked, but it would have been overlooked for good reason. In fact, even the Jewish people of the day would have seen the Jewish people that lived in Nazareth and seen them as tainted Jews, like they were the broken cookies, like they had something missing. They missed some part of God's blessing that everyone else had. So this isn't Gabriel showing up in New York or LA or Atlanta to get a lot of headlines, to get tweeted about, to get TikTok 
talked about. This is Gabriel showing up in the outskirts of Pumpkin Town, y'all. <laughs> and he shows up. He goes there anyway to make an announcement. Verse 27 says, he went to a woman who had never had a man. Her name was Mary. She was promised in marriage to a man named Joseph. Joseph was of the family of David. So this angel Gabriel goes to Nazareth and finds a girl named Mary. As surprising as it would have been for Gabriel to go to Nazareth, it was equally as surprising that he would go to this lady named Mary. Mary was a virgin. Not only was she a virgin, but she was a young lady. She was a young girl. In fact, and this might just completely blow that nativity scene out of the water that you have or the painting that you put up during Christmas season. Many scholars believe Mary could have been 12 to 13 years old when this announcement is made to her. Not only is she a virgin and she's young, but she's poor. Not only all of those things, but of course, Mary is a woman. In historical context here, women would have had no, no rights. Women would have had no value. They certainly wouldn't have been seen as having potential to be used by God. The only thing that a woman of this culture would have been seen good at doing was having babies and working in the home. And it's not just Mary. It's also her relationship with Joseph. You see, it says that Mary was promised to Joseph. That's also what's called a betro being betrothed to Joseph. And a lot of times, and I'm, I'm sure some of you have, have heard this before, but a lot of people think that being betrothed is kind of like being engaged. Well, it's, it's not. In fact, engaged in this time period would have been when the father of the bride and the father of the groom agree that they're going to get married. A betrothal would have been more like our marriage ceremony. In order to be betrothed to Joseph, Mary and Joseph would have stood up, they would have made vows to each other, they would have promised to be faithful to each other. In fact, some people would have even referred to them at this point as husband and wife. Just so you know, the marriage would have happened about a year later when the groom came to surprise his wife and to make the marriage official. But the fact that Mary is about to be pregnant with somebody's baby that isn't Joseph would have literally brought shame on anybody that had a part in it. Mary would have been shamed. She would have been disgraced. Her family would have been disgraced. Joseph would have been disgraced. Joseph's family would have been disgraced. And according to the law at the time, for Mary getting pregnant with a baby that's not Joseph, Joseph could have literally had her stoned because of the embarrassment that she's bringing. With all that being said, here's the shocking part. Verse 28 says, The angel came to her and said, You are honored very much. You're a favored woman. The Lord is with you. You are chosen from among many women. When she saw the angel, she was troubled at his words. Well, not duh, right? She thought about what had been said. The angel said to her, Mary, do not be afraid. You have found favor with God. See, you are to become a mother and have a son. You are to give him the name Jesus. He will be great. He will be called the son of the most high. The Lord God will give him the place where his earthly father David sat. He will be king over the family of Jacob forever and his nation will have no end. What? The natural question there is to ask how? With everything I've just talked about, nothing Nazareth, not magnificent Mary, all of the things that are stacked up against them are, 
why in the world would this be what God does? And how? How is she favored? In order to be favored, wouldn't you think that you would have to do something that's right? Wouldn't you think you would have to have some sort of credentials in order to be favored? Not be the broken cookie. And how is she honorable? Because the Everything I've talked about, she doesn't seem like someone who's deserving of honor. And who in the world would choose her? It says, Mary, you're chosen. Who would choose her? Why would you choose her? Why would you make that selection? Why does God do this? But here she is, handpicked by the creator of the universe to carry the Savior of the world, to nurse him, to change him, to care for him, except for that one time she lost him at the temple. <laughs> to love him, to stay up late with him, to teach him, to raise him, and to be his mother. And who is Mary? She's the broken down cookie. And it goes to show that God is for the people that many are against. And that's good news for some of you today that feel like the broken cookie. That God is for the very people that others seem against. That God is for you when everybody else seems against you. The people that have told you are nothing, are nothing. The people that have said, I reject you, you're not good enough, you're not enough, you don't have what it takes. The people who have not, haven't rejected you with their words, but they've certainly rejected you by their actions, the things that you've done, the mess ups you've made. I came today on Christmas Eve to tell somebody who feels rejected, left out, unfavorable, unchosen, that God is still for you and he always will be God is for you and I, I, I know what you're thinking you don't know me you don't know what I've done you don't know what I'm dealing with you don't know my past and to which I would say number one I would love to get to know you but number two it doesn't matter because the creator of the universe and the one that created you knows you and loves you and is for you just the way you are right now. So Mary has heard the announcement and she's obviously and understandably shocked. And then in verse 34, Mary says to the angel, of course you got something to say, right? How will this happen? I've never had a man. The angel said to her, the Holy Spirit will come on you. The power of the most high God will cover you. The holy child you give birth to will be called the son of God. See, your cousin Elizabeth, as old as she is, is going to give birth to a child. It says old there, so I'm gonna say the word old. <laughs> she was not able to have children before, but now she is in her sixth month. For God can do all things. So Mary is shocked, she's confused, she feels like the broken cookie, and this angel reminds her that God can do all things. And even uses Elizabeth as an illustration and says, if God can do that, as old as she is, God can do this too. God can do all 
things. He can do the impossible. He can do the improbable. And he can do the unconceivable. God can do all things. And the same God that could do all things with Elizabeth and Mary can do all things for you too. My question this morning or this afternoon, what do you need God to do for you? I know you're thinking it's Christmas Eve, peace on earth. Isn't it a little wrong for me to think about what God wants to do for me? Well, I just happen to believe that the same God who can show up in the most inconceivable situation 2,000 years ago can still work on your behalf. That he can still fix what you feel like is broken that he still wants to provide for you, that he still wants to be with you, that he still wants relationship with you, that he still wants to act on your behalf, that he still wants to pull you near when you feel like you're left out and you have nowhere to go. I believe he can do all things. So what worries you? What questions do you have? What, what scares you? What places of doubt or inside of you, what keeps you up at night? What takes up your mind's space? What do you lack? Because we have a God who can do all things and he is the one for every one of your concerns. He is the one for every one of us. Even a poor little girl from Nazareth. He's the one for every one of us, even you. What do you need God to do? Because he can do all things, even for you. Even if you're a man who's let his family down, and you legitimately have. He can do all things for you, even if you're a woman who's always felt rejected, always felt left out, even if you're a child who has deep-seated fears that you never talk about, even if... You're a man who's wrestling with doubts, very doubts about the existence of God. Even if you're a woman who's, who, who's depressed, even if you're a man who's depressed, he's the one for you. He's the one for your worries. He's the one for your struggle. He's the one for what you feel like you lack. He's the one for your feelings of insecurity. He's the one of your, for your feelings of inferiority. inferiority. For he, he is the one, he is the answer for your empty feelings inside. Jesus is the one for every one. And that includes you. He's the one for everyone. So Mary has a response. Verse 38 says, Then Mary said, I am willing. Can't you just imagine that when Gabriel shows up, can't you just imagine the shock and the awe and it probably took everything that she had to respond with, I don't know how, but I'm willing, God, if, if you want to do this, as improbable as it may seem, I'm willing. Those three words are some of the most powerful verses in all of Scripture. Mary simply saying, I am willing. She says, I am willing to be used of the Lord. Let it happen to me as you have said. Then the angel went away from her. I'm so glad that Mary was willing. My question to you today is, are you willing?
Are you willing to think that maybe this entire Christmas story, maybe, maybe it is real, and maybe it is a reminder to you that Jesus hasn't left you yet, that God has not given up on you, that he is still chasing after you, he's chasing after your heart, and he wants a relationship with you. Are you willing to think that maybe by moving towards Jesus and seeking after him, you won't have to feel like the ugly cookie anymore. Not that you're gonna be perfect, not that you're gonna snap your fingers and get it all right, but maybe if I open myself up to the possibility that maybe Jesus really does wanna talk to me, maybe he really does want a relationship with me, maybe he really can fulfill that thing inside of me that nothing else has been able to. Are you willing to open yourself up to the idea that maybe this entire Christmas story isn't just about Santa Claus, it's not about lights on a tree. It's not about wrapping presents, but maybe it's about a real birth of a real Savior who is the one for every one of us. Are you willing to maybe finally decide, I'm not going to be perfect, but I'm going to surrender my life to Jesus. Mary was willing, even though she was the broken cookie, even though she didn't meet the criteria, she was willing See, around nine months later, according to biblical scholars, Mary would have this, this baby in the most improbable of ways. I don't, I don't exactly know what all was there. I'm pretty sure that the nativity set on my table is wrong, but what I do know is that she would carry this baby for nine months. She would give birth to him. She would wrap him in swaddling clothes. She would nurse him. She would change him. She would raise him to the best of her ability. And one day that baby would go out on his own live a perfect life never acting out in, in sin never missing the mark and after just 33 short years he would die on a cross not because he deserved it and not because he couldn't do anything about it but he would die on a cross because he chose it for you they would put him in a tomb as they always did but what usually happens when somebody dies is they stay dead. I hate to tell you that, but they do. They stay in the tomb. But three days later, this baby, this Savior would bust out of the tomb. And why does he do it? He does it for you because he is the one for everyone. And God can do all things. He can feel what's empty. He can solve what's puzzling. He can repair what's damaged. He can overcome what seems too big. He can make new what's old. He can fix what's broken. He can bring calm to turmoil and he can save what's lost. He is the one for every one. That is Jesus. He's hope for the hopeless. He's peace for the restless. He's rest for the weary. He's a light in the darkness. He's joy for the sad and he's life for the dead. And he is the answer for us all. So my question, it's all in your hands now. Are 
you willing. With every head bowed and every eye closed. I don't know what your next step to following Jesus is. But I know that for some of you, as I've talked about this broken cookie, every time I've mentioned it, you've thought, that's me. Are you willing to draw into Jesus and start dealing with the rejection that you felt? Are you willing to find a counselor? Are you willing to get connected to celebrate recovery? Are you willing to take steps? It wasn't your fault. You didn't do it. You didn't do anything to deserve it, but here you are left with it and Jesus wants to help you. Are you willing? Some of you, the question for you is, are you willing to accept Jesus? Are you willing to accept this truthful but crazy story? If that's you today, you're ready to let Jesus in maybe you've said time and time again I'll do it later or I can do it another time now's the time Christmas Eve 2022 could be the beginning of a brand new life for you if you're ready to accept Jesus his forgiveness his love just say this prayer in your heart there's nothing magical about it it's just a confession say Jesus I have no answers I've tried my best but I just keep missing the mark I keep chasing this feeling not to be like the broken cookie, but I keep feeling like it. Nothing's working. So I admit that I've sinned. I admit that I've messed up. I also admit that I believe this story is true, that you did come to earth. That you did live a perfect life, that you did die on a cross, and that you did raise from the grave. And I'm going to give you my life. I don't know what else to do. I'm going to follow you to the best of my ability. Jesus, I thank you so much for the story of Christmas. I thank you that Mary was willing. God, more importantly, I thank you that you're willing. That you are willing to meet every need that we have. God, I do pray for the people who have often felt like the broken cookie. God, would you just surround them and remind them of your love for them? That when other people are against them, that you're still for them. God, thank you so much for the honor to teach your word. I've done my best. Holy Spirit, would you make it personal to every individual sitting in this room and watching online and let them know how much you care. Thank you for the Christmas season. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen.